Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority, episode 132. The Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always great to end your nice, long, hard, cold day of work with a nice, cold, frothy Labatt Blue. And we ask that you do drink our premium beer responsibly, and it is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Let's get into episode 132 of the Red and White Authority. Our guest is the, and this is really weird for me to say, uh, I, he probably is getting used to hearing it now, though, but the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, former, of course, Red Wing general manager, Ken Holland. Ken, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. All right, nice to be with you. Nice you know, to be back home. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, that's where I wanted to start today. I, I, I mean, you've done the podcast two or three times. We have talked. I think if we were to add up the the hours that we spent together talking hockey, it's probably like a, a month of Sundays or something. But uh, you know, I, I think the one thing: how did you, growing up, get involved in hockey? Was it just something that everybody did in your neighborhood, or? You know, when did the, you know, the genesis of Ken Holland becoming hockey player and then, you know, executive in the NHL, how did it all begin well, for you? Well, I, I, I think I was, you know, five or six years old living in, you know, small town Canada, Vernon, British Columbia, a little town of about probably, you know, in the, I was born in 55, so, you know, early 60s, probably a town of 20,000 people and, um, my dad worked for BC Hydro, very involved in sports, loved to play. Uh, he loved to curl. Um, and, uh, you know, in the summer, he played slow pitch. And then uh, as I became, he dropped his sports and he became, uh, you know, he, he entered me in uh, hockey, uh, minor hockey in the winter and minor baseball in the summer. And, and um, just played, you know, played those sports year round. And, uh uh, just you know, I loved I loved uh, being a part of a team sport. I, the, I, I, and when I was about eight or nine years old, I put the goal pads on and uh, and became a goaltender. And uh, you know, you as, you as you talk now, I mean, it's it's so long ago, but right. certainly I've just sort of chased uh, chased the puck around for the for, for my entire life. <laughs> when, you, you know, goalie. Uh when does it dawn on you that I'm pretty good at this or I can at least play junior hockey or I, I might be able to make this a profession? You know what? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know if it ever dawned on me. <laughs> uh, I was, you know, I played, I played Pee Wee Bantam midget uh, juvenile. I wasn't quite good enough to play junior A. My first played juvenile. And then I played um, um, junior hockey in Vernon. Now, Vernon had a tier two team. You know, and then there was what's called Division One, the the Western Hockey League, and and I was a backup as an 18 year old uh, in Vernon, and then everybody from Vernon went to Medicine Hat's training camp the following year. We we were sort of farm team. I had no aspirations of making the Medicine Hat Tigers. I was really going to go there to because uh, everybody was going there, and they sort of they made, they had a you know a cut and another cut, and then they sort of and all of a sudden I got to play in the um, intra squad game. You know the right. the red white that was I think the black orange, uh, and then I remember um, when the game was over, thinking I'm you know this is I've just I've just this has been the pinnacle of my career was to play in the Medicine Hat Tiger intra squad game, and I remember. Uh, Sort of stealing. A, I wanted to take home a Medicine Hat Tiger jersey. I put the jersey in my bag, and and, uh, and 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 then he sort of hung on for about another 
10 days, two weeks, and got down to the final cuts and uh, got informed that I made the Madison Hat Tigers. And I told Luke Lashinsky, the trainer, that I had sort of stuffed the, the jersey away. And he, and at the end of the year, he gave me he gave me the jersey. I, I, I earned the jersey. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, and then I was a draft pick then of the 11th round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I went to train at the end of that year, the, 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 the fall. I went to their training camp. I got cut, went back and played overage junior in, in Medicine Hat. And... Um, and then played nine years of pro, sort of in Binghamton, New York, six years. And uh, my last two years with the Adirondack Red Wings in 83, 84, 84, 85. And, um, you know, relationships along the way. Well, you know, relationships along the way. And if it's not for Bill Deneen, my minor league coach, um, recommending, strongly recommending to Jim Devolano in 1985 to hire me as a, um, as a Western scout, um, probably going to go back to British Columbia and you know who knows who knows uh, who knows what I love this story and it's in the book what it means to be a Red Wing that uh, Kevin Allen and I did many many years ago uh, you're deciding okay I'm at the crossroads of my the, life. the Electrolux vacuum cleaner story? Yeah, yeah, this is the vacuum cleaner story. I mean, so your mom yeah. wanted you to go into maybe a different profession. Well, yeah, well, I played I played nine years of pro. I'm 29 years of age. Uh, it's 1985. Cindy and I are in, in you know, we, it's May now. The season's over. I've played two years of the Adirondack Red Wings. And we've gone back. Cindy's got a job at the hospital for the summer. She's a nurse. I've got a job at the liquor store. Um, and, you know, but my agent is now telling me that he's, you know, I'm 29 years old. I'm a, I'm a five foot eight goalie. Like, it's, right. there's not a big market. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he's telling me he doesn't know. He give me a job. So my, my we're living in the, in the basement at, at our parent, my parents' house while we're trying to find a place to live. And we got, it's 85. Our kids are born 81, 83, 84. So there's five of us jammed downstairs. And uh, 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 and then uh, one day I come home from the liquor store and uh, Cindy had said to my, my mom, just tell Ken when he gets home that I'm taking the kids up to Lakeview Pool. And so Cindy and the, had the, the kids up to Lakeview Pool and my mom thought it was her opportunity now to, to, to give me some, some motherly advice. And she said, Ken, I'm hearing these phone calls are coming. I hear things aren't going good with hockey. And I said, no, it doesn't look good right now. I said, my agent's working the phones, but well, have you got a plan? And I said, well, the plan is, you know, we're going to stay here in Vernon for two years. Cindy's going to work at the hospital. I'm going to go to school. I like I like numbers, and I thought I'd get some kind of a, a de- you know, and from there we're going to go to Vancouver, University of British Columbia, and I'll get a degree. And she said, Ken, you're 29 years of age. You've got um, three kids under the age of four. You have a responsibility to put food on the table. I said, I know, Mom, but I got grade 12 education, and all I know what to do is to stop pucks right. 88, 87% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not even 90%. Right? <laughs> Or I'd be having another job. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so, anyways, I said, "Well, mom, what do I get?" She says, "Ken, uh, the Vernon News has got an advertisement today for the Electrolux vacuum cleaners." And she said, "I've been an Electrolux vacuum cleaner person my entire life. It's the best vacuum on the market." I called the 800 number, and she said, "The job is open." And she said, "40% of every sale goes to the to the to the person selling." She said, "So, she said, uh, it's a great product." And she said, I've had it my entire life. She said, it's, it's, uh, everybody has to clean their house. And uh, she said, I'm your first sale. Before I can say anything, she said she talked to Grandma Eastbrecht, who was my mother's mother, uh, four doors down. And right. she said, uh, Grandma Eastbrecht is going to be your second sale. I thought, boy, this vacuum, the vacuum cleaner <laughs> business is going pretty good. Right. So I said to my mom, any idea of the status of Aunt Emma's vacuum? Does she live two doors down? And she <laughs> yeah. says, well, Ken, you know, she's family. Family take care of family. I thought, well, okay, I've got three vacuums sold. So I thought, this is pretty good. I did, I did kind of for a moment. 
moment think that uh, maybe that's the direction. And then I thought to myself, boy, when I leave 23rd Street, when I got to go down 39th <laughs> Avenue, I got to start going door to door. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable doing that. And I said, Mom, Mom, let me think on it. I went up to Lakeview Pool, and you know, within within a couple of days, the phone rings, and it's Jim, it's Neil Smith and Jim Devolano saying that they're looking for a Western Scout. Bill Deneed had recommended me. They um, and we, we talked that day, and we talked a couple of days later, and uh, I ended up uh, accepting the job as the uh, Western Scout for the Detroit Red Wings. So there was a brief moment that I was considering becoming uh, a vacuum cleaner salesman, and it was a great product. It's a great job, but again, I I, I don't know that I was comfortable going uh, going going door to door trying to trying to sell something. So uh, all worked out. Uh, it all worked out great. Well, it certainly does work out. Uh, Western Scout. Uh, you're on the road a lot. You have a young family. Uh, just, but you love it. You have a passion for the game, and you know. And obviously, Cindy understands, and she knows. You know what? Uh, uh, you know she's been involved in hockey. You know her whole life too. Uh, what was that experience like? Was there a transition, or did you adapt to scouting rather easily? Well, I, I loved it right off the bat. I mean, I, I love hockey, you know, and it was an opportunity. You know, I, I, as it turns out, Art, about about uh, two weeks after I accepted, maybe a week after I accepted the, um, the Western Canada scouting job, John Paddock reached out to me. John Paddock was the head coach and general manager of the Hershey Bears, and he offered me a one-year contract. And I was going to make thirty thousand. I made thirty thousand dollars my last year playing in Adirondack, and uh, and and the, the Jim Devil, the, the Jimmy D, and um, Neil offered me thirty thousand to to become the scout. Right. And he called and he offered me a one-year deal at thirty-five thousand to be to play for Hershey. And I said, "Give me forty-eight hours, John." And I and I thought about it, and I you know, it's, it, it, when you're making thirty-five thousand dollars, is a lot of oh, a lot of. It's a, it's, it's, I was in radio it, a long yes, time. It's I a, know. It's a, so, but at the end of the day, I thought to myself, you know. Know what I'm going to miss this opportunity, and next year I'll be I'll be back looking again. And I called John Paddock back and said uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hang up the skates and I'm going to become a scout for the Detroit Red Wings. And very fortunate, uh, my wife and I, Cindy, uh, we've been married now 39 years. Um, when you're a scout in Western Canada. You know, you got to go from from basically when I was scouting there, it was from Victoria to to, to Winnipeg. You know, it's it's all throughout BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So you're you're I'm on the road a lot, um, but I know that Cindy knew that I was I was. Um, I had a job that I had a passion in, and you know she was at home raising, raising, um, spending, you know, but the but the children. She also was working at the at the hospital, so uh, we had uh, put together a, a, a wonderful life, you know, uh, for us. We lived in Madisonette, Alberta. Jimmy D wanted us to move to Calgary. I said, "Can we move to Madisonette, which is three hours east?" Because Cindy had three sisters there, and and, and uh, they had children so uh, you know nieces and nephews so it was uh, there was there was lots of family around uh, as I was on the road trip for for Cindy so did that for um, you know as a western scout actually from 85 to 89 for four years and then Neil Smith in 1989 who was my boss as the chief scout left to become the um, uh, Rangers. Rangers general manager and Neil wanted me to go with him and then Jimmy D, I had a year to go on my contract, and Jimmy D called me, and he said, Ken, I, I want you to stay, and I want you to be the chief scout of the Detroit Red Wings. And I, I decided to, instead of going with Neil, I decided to stay with, with Jimmy D and the Red Wings. I became chief scout in 1989, and I did that from 89 to uh, 94, five years. 
and then in 94 moved to Detroit to become the assistant general manager uh, along with uh, working with Jim Devolano and, and Scotty Bowman. Yeah, I, I have to ask you this because we're going to jump ahead and I really want to get into when your Red Wings uh, career here in Detroit started, but... Uh, when in your scouting career did you meet and see a fellow Medicine Hat Tiger by the name of Chris Osgood? Well, when I was scouting for the uh, uh, Red Wings living in Medicine Hat, uh, Chris um, was a uh, – he played junior for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Right, right, and, right. and it was his draft year. Uh, and, you know, the players come up and you watch him and he, he was a re- he was a good goalie, but, you know, you st- still, I worried about his size a little bit. And then, and then in the, in his draft year, excuse me, in the playoffs that year, there was a best of seven between Medicine Hat and Lethbridge and, and Chris Osgood was in net for Medicine Hat and Jamie McLennan, who's on TV now, um, doing, you know, on NHL network and stuff was in goal for, um, for Lethbridge. And the first six games, I think game seven was a blowout, I think. But the first six games were the best, those at both ends was the best goaltending I'd seen in junior hockey up to that point. Both goaltenders were dialed in. You know, shots were lots of shots, lots of scoring chances. And... And 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 then and then when that's when that playoff was over, Medicine Hat lost, and I'd started a ball hockey league in uh, in Medicine Hat, you know, for for you know from maybe we played uh, late April, May, and June, and I think it ended in early July. And you, when they when they take the ice out, you know, you play on a rink, you know, with those 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 orange balls, and get you know guys wear little shin pads, and and um, so lots of them, lots of ex junior players would come play in the league and uh somebody come in one day early may and said that uh, chris osgood was going to come play ball hockey for uh, our team and not in goal but he was going to play right. play up front so he started to play he played in our team he had good hands and uh, you know uh, i, I kind of watched him and in about you know, obviously you know in the locker room you become a bit of a team and we were we were we were sponsored by uh, i think boston pizza so every after every game we'd go to boston pizza and you know you have some pizza and a couple of beer after the game and you know i was you know Ozzy was 18 i was probably it's 1985 i'm 30 well he's a little bit later it's it, i'm 35 36 years of age and then uh, got to know Ozzy, and a week before the draft, <clears throat> I said I pulled a Chris Osgood aside, and I asked him if he'd been getting some calls from some teams. And he said not a lot, and I said I told him we're going to take him. I said we're we're going to take you in the top three rounds. I said uh, very worst because yeah, I was the chief scout. I said I'll take you in the third round, if, maybe in the second round. But I said if you're on the board in the third round, he said for sure we're going to take you in the third round, and and uh, we did, and it worked out pretty good. And what did he get? Three hundred and. 25 wins. I mean, it was uh, fun to watch him. He, I, I, I cracked jokes. You know, I had four children. Cindy and I had four children. He sort of was like my f- our fifth child for a long time. Well, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you that. Was it? I mean, he obviously had talent, and you saw that in him. But what? What was the connection? Why did you? Because you, you know, you scouted a lot of guys. You signed a lot of guys. You have a lot of hockey players that are friends and guys that you feel good about that you've given a, you know a life to. But what what made Ozzy so special? Where was the bond? Well, I mean, first off, he lived in Madison Hats. You know, part of it's geographic. So you know, you draft some of these players, and they're they're in other cities, and then and then, you know, we become per se teammates. You know, if you play ball hockey was Tuesdays and Thursdays twice a week. We played. Uh, you know, the, I don't know. The games were an hour and a half. They were ninety minutes, or maybe you know, two thirty minute halves. But so 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 he lives in Madison Hat. Um, and and then and then obviously once we draft him 
you know, he's he's the Red Wing property. And then, you know, the, the next summer he come back. Now we play ball hockey again. And we, now I'm the, the chief scout. And he's the, you know, he's a Red Wing draft pick. And then uh, I can remember, uh, I remember that summer he's turning pro. And I encouraged him to... Um, he get his luggage. There was a there was a summer hockey league in Medicine Hat, on on ice, and I, I encouraged him to get his pads on. And it was a different time back then. It's it's nineteen early nineties, and you know guys would show up in training camp, and that's when they'd get. The training camp was probably four or five weeks long, and you get lots of time to find your game. I mean now now they with three days in, and we're playing preseason games, and I and he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't he said all oh, my pads are in Cranbrook or somewhere. He didn't. Well, I remember the first day of uh, training camp here as a pro in the scrimmage I think he gave up uh, eight or nine goals and I remember uh, I can remember Mr. Ellis was sitting in the, in the he'd come over to, to training camp the first day and there's this goalie that was I, I went back to the hotel and I was waiting for Ozzy back, back at the hotel I called him around the corner and I told him what I thought I wasn't wasn't too happy you know you get what you put into this game so he was he was um, the relationship was because we lived in the same city he became a Red Wing draft pick, and I was a former goaltender. He was a goaltender. He played for the Tigers. I played for the Tigers. So there was lots of connections. There was lo- there was lots of connections, and you know he was he was 18 years of age, and I was 36. So I mean, there's a separation or 36, 35. You know, but there's but it's not. It, it, it's I, I I I was still young enough to we were sort of teammates right. playing ball hockey together. So there was a lot of things that eventually connected the dots for us to have. Um, a pretty special relationship. When uh, when you come to Detroit, and we'll get into, there's a little more to the Ozzy story a little bit later on that we'll get into, but, uh, and I don't want to do K. Ken Holland, this is your life, but I mean, I think it's, especially now, and, and the reason, and I, I, the reason I want to talk to you about this is because we're not going to see you, this is it this year, unless, you know, by an grace of God, the Red Wings somehow make the Stanley Cup final. I mean, Edmonton could, I mean, the way your team is playing right now. Uh, But just, you know, your life, I mean, you know, we, you know, sometimes we take it for granted. People see you and say, oh, that's Ken Holland, Red Wing general manager, because you were general manager forever. They don't know that you almost became a vacuum cleaner salesman. You know, you're making 30 grand playing hockey. Uh, I mean, there's more to it than just what you are today there there is a process and you know and because i like you so much and i respect you so much i really want people to know that you know ken holland's worked his tail off to get to where he is and because of that you get to detroit is this a culture shock when you i mean this city especially back then you know there were a lot of things you know detroit's a very interesting town let's put it that way it's my hometown so i mean i've been here you know my whole life i know exactly how it is was there a bit of a culture shock? How did you adjust to, was it more, you knew what you were doing hockey wise. What was it like to actually move to this area? Well, it was, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I lived in Vernon, BC for a lot of years. It was, uh, like I said, it was 20, 25,000 people. Medicine Ad was probably 50,000 people. I can remember when I was drafted, I'm going to, I'm going to ask your question. I can remember when I was drafted in 1975 by the Leafs and I went to training camp in Toronto and the very first time I landed in Toronto and the cab uh, taxi driver picked me up and they were driving up Young Street 
And I mean, my eyes were the size of saucers. I'd never seen buildings that big. It was a Saturday night at nine o'clock, and I think we 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 had arrived there. I've never I never seen that many people. I never seen so many lights. I'd never seen. I, I you know I can remember the first time that I drove from Vernon to Medicine Hat. We were the nine hour drive. We were going from Medicine Hat to um, from Calgary to Medicine Hat on the on the bus. All the all the Vernon the Vernon Essos. All, all and I I my, I never seen that as far as you can see. There's a highway and it's flat. I never you know so. So, you know, in, in 1994, when Jim DeVolano calls and says, um, we'd like you to move to Detroit and become the assistant general manager, you know, we had a, Cindy and I had a great thing going in, for our family. You know, we, we, Cindy's parents lived down the, down the street, you know, so when she would go to work uh, or I'd go on the road, uh, we had the, right. they, the babysitters built in and then Cindy's sister lived a block away. They were in Catholic, you know, we were in Catholic schools. Um, Actually, we were living our, our house backed on the on the on the on the, uh, on the on the on the school grounds. We could watch their kids go out the back door, open the back gate, and they were on the, the the playground. And they would walk across the field. We could watch them walk right into the into the school. I mean, so we had it was it was a perfect setup, perfect setup to raise to raise children. And you know, so I said to Cindy, Jim Jimmy D wants us to move to Detroit to become the assistant general manager. And uh, you know, she only she only said one thing. She said, Ken, I'm not working anymore. I want to I want be raise the children and our kids are going to catholic schools my i'm a lutheran but cindy's a is a catholic so i said no i'm not i wasn't gonna go battle there no 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 <laughs> and uh, so so moving to detroit in 1994 i knew for me was an incredible opportunity. It was an incredible opportunity to, to become the assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, work with Scotty Bowman. Work with Jim Devolano. Um, was was the opportunity of of, of a lifetime. And uh, Cindy knew that. We you know so uh, she just wanted to make sure that uh, the, 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 our children, our family was was, was going to be set up the way it was important to her. And she wanted to be there every day for the kids. She didn't want to be working. She wanted to take them to school, pick them up, you know, be involved in, in the school. And uh, I was going to pursue my passion um, in, in this. You know, you when you get to Detroit, the team is really starting to really mold into the team that they became, the great teams of the, uh, well, about the mid-90s all the way up until very, very recently. Uh I, I want to jump ahead because I know that you know you're busy and uh, you're given so much of your time. The first time I had a really in-depth conversation with you, except to say hello a couple of times, was when you became general manager of the Red Wings. I remember like it was yesterday. It was right outside uh, Joe Louis Arena. It was the old uh, um, configuration, so that right at the end of that hallway where if you open up the big door, the trainer's room, or there's the other door that's into like the Olympia Club or whatever it is, we're standing there because when you wanted to become general manager, you were at and I remember telling you this, look, if I'm taking this job, because, you know, Scotty liked to put his fingers in all the pies and all that, and you know how he is, and uh, in a good way, you know, I mean, I love Scotty Bowman too, and, uh, but you were saying, hey, look, if I'm taking this job, I'm the bottom line guy. I'm the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, you know, literally, the buck stops here. Um did you know at the time when you were making that, that you were making a, a proclamation that either you give me complete control or I'm not taking the job and, and that it could be a little risky move for you? 
you know, Art, I, I, I really think, um, I believe in certain things. We all believe, we all have beliefs. We all have, and, and I, you know, if you're going to have um, a job and the responsibility or the title, you should have certain responsibilities or it's not going to work or it's not going to work. So um, that off season when we won the Stanley Cup in 1997, behind the scenes over the course of the next two or three weeks, what had happened is a couple of teams had reached out to me that, or reached out to the Red Wings that winter and had asked for permission to talk to me to become general manager elsewhere. And I think, you know, Jim DeVolano talked to ownership, Mr. Misilich, and, and I either had to, they felt they either had to give me permission to go or, or, or have the same opportunity here. And um, certainly we won the cup. We had, you know, at that time there was no general manager. Scotty Bowman was the head coach and director of player personnel. He had the authority to make all the personnel moves. Jimmy D was the senior vice president. He negotiated all the contracts and ran the business. I was the assistant general manager. My job was to run the amateur draft and to put together, sign entry level players, run the farm team, uh, the Adirondack Red Wings, and we and and and. Um, Worked out, worked out, you know, we worked out great. And then um, when we won the Cup in 97, obviously things were going to change because if, if I took the, became the general manager, my, my attitude was if I became the general manager, there has to be cert, a certain pecking order. So I remember one, Scotty and I met in, uh, it was, we'd, after we'd won the Cup, Scotty and I met in London, Ontario uh, at a Swiss chalet at three o'clock on a Monday afternoon, we spent three hours there from three o'clock to six o'clock. Um, both of us getting comfortable um, if I was to become the general manager. And I left that, I left that, that, that the Swiss chalet feeling that um, I had Scotty's support, but I also told Scotty, you know, I had a responsibility. It's about relationships, right, it's about communication, right. it's about working together. And I think we both left that 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 uh, Swiss chalet dinner um, feeling good about the direction that we were going. And shortly thereafter, I was named the uh, the general manager of the Red Wings. You know, the one time we were at the Zamboni entrance at uh, at uh, Joe Louis Arena. And we were talking about about Scotty, just laughing and joking, because he had, as we know, some idiosyncrasies. And you said, you know, with for for everything that I may or may not have to put up with him, you pointed to the Red Wing room and said, I just know that I don't have to worry about that room with him in charge. I, I think he's the greatest coach in professional sport history, regardless of sport. I mean, the the decades, the cups, the players, uh, just the way that he handled, you know, conducted himself. Uh, your relationship really kind of blossomed with him. It sounds like that three-hour meeting, you know, that was touch and go. This isn't going to work. We'll know after this meeting, but it really became a, uh, you know, a, a great friendship and working relationship. Yeah, no, it's, it, uh, I mean, I feel so fortunate to be able to have worked with Scotty, you know, as an assistant manager and then become the general manager. Um you know, he, it was, it was, a, it was a fabulous relationship. Obviously we won the Stanley cup in 1998 and then we won the Stanley cup again in 2002. And then Scotty obviously retired, uh, retired on the ice. Um, I'm, I'm forever grateful 
thankful for um, the opportunity to work with him. He's, I'm with you. I think he's the greatest coach um, in the history of our sport. And, oh, and, definitely. And I think if you talk in the history of professional sports, in all sports, he's in the in that same conversation. Uh, you know, all the winning that he he did with the different franchises and all the Stanley Cup championships and getting to the finals. So um, he was he, he was he was br- he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Um, an incredible bench boss, his ability to in-game figure out what the other team was doing and quickly make uh, adjustments on the fly. I think that's what separated Scotty from from everybody else was his his ability to manage um, the bench during the game and know that when, when he when he needed to make some changes, whether you're home or on the road, just to, fi- to get away from matchups or to have certain matchups, um, he was he was he was brilliant behind the bench. You know, he told me something a couple of years ago I was interviewing him it was when the Joe was closing and he talked about all those all the Red Wing teams and he said the thing that made us so good obviously we had great great roster but we would essentially say to the other team you can play any way you want I don't care if you want to play a rough and tumble game, if you want to finesse or a little bit of both or chip the puck in or try to carry the puck in go ahead because we can play it and we're going to play it better than you. And that was the first time I ever remember him just saying, hey, we were an exceptional team. That was a team that you and several other people obviously have put together. But, you know, that era of hockey, you know, when we talk about it, you know, I, I remember the 70 Canadians and how great his, his teams again, but how great they were. But when you look now and you see what you were able to do here in Detroit, the, the Red Wing franchise, the Detroit Red Wings will be the team of a certain era, a certain decade. People will point to the team that you built. I mean, it has to be self-satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I think there. I, I think everybody who was involved with it feels great about what we. You know, when you're when you when you're in the middle of it, you're only focused on. Um you know, winning the next game, you know, and I think when you, you know, obviously I'm, I've, I've left now. I'm, my, my, my Red Wing days are over, and and uh, I'm in in Edmonton. You look back, and I guess even when even the last few years, when you when you look back to those teams, they were incredible teams. And but but you think about the championships, but I I think about the the heartbreak to get to those championships you know the you get to the finals in 95 and you think this is it and I think we went 12 and 2 the first three rounds and we were just just sort of steamrolled through the west and and all of a sudden you face New Jersey and and it's a sweep and and then and then next year you come back and we get uh, um 132 points he only lost 13 games or something Scotty put the Russian five together in Calgary one night I was there I think the Aussie was in goal and I think I think Calgary had eight or nine shots on goal the entire night, and uh, the, the we we came in and just, they, just, they had the puck, and then we went through the entire year, won sixty three games, and you lose in the um, in the in the in the conference final to Colorado. And the next year, I think we had ninety three points. It was a real disappointing regular season, and I can remember we're in St. Louis and the old Art Regner rant, 
Oh yeah, on the on the on, on the air. Right. To, to basically, time to time to play hockey. Some boys, enough enough with all this. And we, we had we had a big game. I wasn't as eloquent Louis. as you were. <laughs> and we, and we ended up beating St. Louis, and I can remember we played. And it's '97. We played Colorado in the third round, and 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 I can you know almost we you're saying to yourself, bring on bring on like you felt like you could beat anybody. We were playing at such a high level, and we had chemistry, and and really probably that that um, you know the, the the Colorado game late in March. In '97, oh, yeah, that, we, that uh, March 26, on, yeah, on, on that brouhaha really brought our team together and took it to another another level. And from there, we just started to to to, to and obviously went on to win the cup in '97. And when you know when you win the cup in '97, um, you know it was a now we win in '98. But you start to you start to realize. That you don't have to do anything. You just have to take care of business. Don't don't turn the. There's, there's certain ways, and those are the things that Scotty had brought with with him from Montreal, from winning in '94 to us. And it took us some some time to 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 understand the disappointments in in the playoffs, but eventually we're 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 a big factor in us figuring out how to win the cup in 97. And then once you win in 97, you win in 98, and you win in you win you win in 02. Obviously, was there any thought process that you were going through after the disappointments, after all the disappointments that uh, that maybe I've got an exceptional group of talent here, but maybe we need to tinker with it or blow it up, uh, you know, make some major, major changes, because really, you were pretty steady. You, you stayed the course. Obviously, you added pieces and all that and traded draft picks. I think we all know that, but I mean, was there ever a point where you said, you know, I, it may not happen with this group. I may have to kind of reassess the whole organization. Well, you know what? I mean, first off, I became manager in 97 when we won the Cup. So we were the Stanley Cup champions. Right. So the three previous years, you know, as we as I moved to Detroit in 94 as the assistant general manager, um, uh, you know, Scotty was making moves and, you know, asking Jim Devalano my opinion in, in the in the background. But, you know, I, he made it, obviously, Scotty made the trade uh, for Larry Yanov. And then, I remember at the deadline the one year it was a third round pick to New Jersey for 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 Fatisov and I can remember, remember you know, I was running the draft I'm thinking boy we're going to trade a third round pick for a 35 year old who's in the press box in New Jersey didn't make oh, I couldn't quite grasp the concept <laughs> <laughs> it turned, turned out pretty good yeah really it did, it did. <laughs> so, so I mean those are the things you learn those are the right. things you learn in watching somebody or I got to to, to watch firsthand Scotty and then you know you, obviously there was the Shanahan trade I mean from '94 to to, to you know, there was a, you know, some of the kids that we had drafted were starting to become, you know, the Osgoods and the Kozlovs and the Fedorovs. And I mean, we had the draft picks and then Scotty was, you know, he added Larionov and he, he added Fatisov and made the deal. Primo was out and coffee was out and in comes Shanahan. And we he kept, uh, we made the deal for Mike Vernon and, and uh, you know, we slowly pieced together, you know, the, 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 the additional pieces, the players that were needed to eventually uh, win the Stanley Cup in in 1997, and I became the cup. Uh, I mean, I became the manager in '97, and um, I think the first thing I 
did was, I, 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 and Art, I probably would never do this again. I, I traded Mike Vernon. He won the Consmite Trophy away. I had a 35-year-old goalie and I had a 25-year-old goalie, and they both wanted to be number one. And you're going to go with the younger guy. I think I traded Vernon away for two two seconds to San Jose. It turned out great. We won the Cup in '98. Nazi was, but I think today, I think today, if I was in that boat, I'd, I'd just tell both goalies get in the get, go get in the locker room, and you two and the coach can figure out. You can never have enough depth. You can never right, have enough right. depth. So, so uh, you know, and then and then uh, obviously becoming manager in '97 team was on top my 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 challenge my responsibility was to try to keep the team on top and feel good that we won the cup in 98 and then we started to I say slip I mean we 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 were still a legitimate cup contender in in 90 but there was Dallas and Colorado they were they were there was a there were three teams that were a cut above everybody in the in the Western Conference, and then it was you know Dallas and Colorado in uh, 99 2000 2001 and then then uh, felt that we had to get uh, a little more aggressive, and we did the deal for obviously Dominic Hasek in the summer of '01. At the, in the summer, and uh, signed Brett Hull, signed Luke Robitaille, and uh, um, we had a great regular season. I remember being down two nothing to Vancouver in in the '02. Oh, I remember going on going on, and it was it wasn't pretty leaving the ice, uh, uh, leaving the rink. And then I remember we landed in Vancouver that night, Saturday night, about midnight, one o'clock, and, and we as we come out in the bus. There was a whole bunch of Vancouver young fans. Were you? I don't know if you were on. Oh, the, I was there. Oh yeah, I was there. Had brooms and they were mocking us. They were all. They were. They were. They were taunting us and mocking us all the way from the Vancouver airport all the way to downtown. And then we. And the bus pulled up. And then. And then the, the players were getting out. We're getting our luggage and all those young. They were all probably kids between the age of what 17, 18, yeah, and really. 22, 23. Just were, taunting the just Red Wings. There was, was. There must have been twenty or thirty of them. And they had their brooms and they were. And and uh, and then and then obviously we 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 won the next four against Vancouver and ended up winning the cup in 2002 but uh, I don't know how I got off track well no no but you, that, I, you know because I, I, I've told that story many times because I, I was you know privileged enough to be there Canada had won the gold medal that year and I think Utah or whatever it was or uh, 2002 Olympics or uh, Salt Lake City Salt Lake City yeah that's yeah well Salt Lake City Utah right and so uh, um even Shaney gets off, and he's part of that gold medal team, and it's like, eh, Red Wings overrated. They're just screaming at the team, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of laughing because I know Dom. When you said, I remember he was so upset because when he skated off the ice, I guess that in the Friday night game was like five two, five three. Uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, yeah, five two. Well, and and he took his. Some fan took his autographed $250 hash jersey and just threw it at him on the ice. And he was all upset. I mean, it was just not a happy Red Wing group, except for Steve, who was dealing with, as many times he did with injuries, he was the last one off the bus. And I'm sitting there to get my luggage, and as soon as he comes off, it's like, Stevie, we love you, Team Canada, Team Canada. Just to say the captain was in no mood to greet his public. <laughs> you know, he just wanted to grab his bag and, and get into the hotel. But I do remember that. And what I remember about that was is that there was a moment because there was you were picked to win the cup. I mean, that team was loaded. I mean, now we look at it, 9, 10 Hall of Famers, whatever it is. Everybody is... Uh, 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 but they, when they turned it on, and then the 2002 Western Conference Final, to me, was the best hockey I've ever seen 
in my life. I mean, Colorado and Detroit were both stacked. It was just the Statue of Liberty coming back. You know, Freddie Frederick Olison, of all people, scoring in overtime in Colorado. Three of those games going to overtime. I mean, it was just wonderful hockey. Then the big blowout at the end in Game 7 to go, to, uh, go on to Carolina. That team, specifically that team, the way the structure is today, will any team ever come close to putting a team on the ice like that one? Not from not from that profile, obviously, because of the salary cap. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a different time, but no, 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 none of those teams: Colorado, Dallas, New Jersey, Detroit. Um, those teams don't exist. You know, you think about the New Jersey defense. You know, they had. Uh, I mean, they had three or four of the best eight or ten defensemen in the game on, oh, their, right. on their on their team and 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 and, and, a, and a, one of the greatest you know may, maybe you know the, the winningest goalie in history Marty Brodeur so those you know you could, those teams today you could keep them together for a couple of years and then the cap would would would, would, would catch you so what, what what you're talking about the hockey that that series in 02 I'm with you that was for me of all of all the hockey that I watched the Red Wings play the 02 series against Colorado was you know when when they had the puck you were just nervous people Sakic and Forsberg and all all those those great players and then I'm sure they were th- they, they were thinking the same and we had the puck and it was it was just incredible back and forth there was a real rivalry um, between the two teams we had a lot of history um, I think we'd played that was the fifth playoff series I think we'd played five yeah. playoff series they'd beaten us three series we'd beaten them one so you know it's just it it it, it, it had growing you know over the course of time to being as good a rivalry as there was in in professional uh, as professional sports you know steve's your teammate and then you end up being the general manager and winning cups with him as uh, as an executive and you know he still is a player uh sergey comes along uh, you know, to have those two, and then you throw in Larry Onoff and Chris Draper up the middle, and of course Nick, and you know, you know Vladdy, of course, and trading for Chelly. I mean, it was just a, uh, it was just a wonderful time to be a Detroit sports fan. Trust me. But I look back on it, to have Steve and Sergey up the middle for 13, 14 seasons together. I know with injuries, they, but I, I mean that really. How much easier when you have players and Nick, all you know, all all guys drafted by the Red Wings. Um, how much does it does it make your job easier? Does it make it harder? Does it make you feel pressure? I mean, because you know, these are these are Hall of Fame guys. Yeah, well, I mean, it obviously makes it easier, and that's what separated. You know, if you you think about our team, we had we had Sergey and Steve, um, it was Sakic and Forsberg in Colorado, right, right. and it was Newendike and Medano in, in Dallas. I mean, all three teams down the middle, the one and two right. centermen were were. <laughs> We're elite center ice. Right, so, right. It's incredible. So, so that's what obviously st- those three teams had that one-two superstar punch down the middle that 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 separated. Uh, you know, and then uh, St. Louis had a tremendous team back then. They had Pronger on defense and Al McGinnis on okay. defense. But uh, and, and I think they had a little some. They kept kind of getting there and just coming up short. But uh, certainly having having being st- strength down the middle. Is is even I mean yep, right up to today? I mean strength down the middle, right. strength down the middle, strength down the middle, strength on the D, and uh, having having Sergey and Steve uh, in their primes, um, 
you know, again, I feel incredibly fortunate to be a manager of those teams. They were they were incredible players. But the other thing about our team was not incredible players. They 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 all sacrificed the passion that they had for the team, for winning, um, and it was really an ingredient that's 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 really important in 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 team success. You know, the sacrifice you talk about, Brendan Shanahan, who's you know running the Maple Leafs now, uh, alluded to that. You know, the 2002 team does not become the 2002 team that we all remember unless certain guys. Yeah, I mean, they deferred money, but yet they still took less money to put the best team on the ice together. He's trying to tell his young Maple Leafs that's what we should do. I don't know if that's quite working out or not for him. But that sacrifice, uh, because it, it, it all comes, it, it's all about winning, right? I mean, you know, at that point, even though they tasted it and they were champions, once, you, once you're there, you don't want to leave. Yeah, and I, you know, I, 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 and that's where I talk about the heartbreak. You know, the, 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 the we're, we're talking 2002, and certainly lots of the players that were here in 02, you know, I don't know, maybe half were there in 94, 95, 96, and we tasted bitter defeat. And, you know, you're, you're, you're right, you, you think you're, you're ready, and, the, you know, you win all those 63 games in 1996, 596, and, you know, you lose to Colorado uh, in round three and almost lose to St. Louis in round two. Right, up, the dramatic Eiserman goal. Eiserman goal. We're up three games to two, down three games to two going into St. Louis, and it's a must win on the road and win the game and then come home and uh, Steve scored. It was a double or triple overtime. Yeah, uh, all I know is, is that I practically had a stroke that yeah, night. So. And, 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 and then, and then uh, but all those, that all that bitter disappointment is a factor I think is in a factor in us winning in 97 and and then and then you know depends where players are in their career you know when you've you know I think as a young player you come in you want to play in the league and then you want to you want to you want to you want to have individual success because certainly that's how you're going to get paid and and then you but you eventually get to a point so by the time we got to, to 97 and 98, we were a veteran team and lots of our players had, had, had we had tasted bitter, bitter defeat. And, and then once we, we won in 97, you, and, and, and you see how this city partied mm-hmm. and how this city celebrated and how we all got to celebrate in our, in our own communities. When we, when we went back home for the summertime, there's nothing like it. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the Stanley cup parade, all the Stanley cup parades, but 97, I mean, it was 42 years that the Red Wings did since the last time they had won the Stanley cup and the outpouring of emotion and going down the float down Woodward. And I mean, it was just, I mean, people everywhere oh, yeah, and, then, it was incredible. and then when we were on that stage and it, you looked out uh, and as far as the eye could see there was just people after people and people on top of shoulders and signs and I mean it it, it, it it's 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 a motivating factor to try to want to do it want to do it again and realize that the team's success is the sweetest success of all and it's it's and and but but you got to go through stages in your in your in your in your career or, or your team has to go through stages so um i think that again the the, the all the disappointments were were a factor in 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 uh, in us winning but when Transition then hits after 2002. You know, Sergey leaves, and uh, Steve's getting a little older. He eventually retires in 2000. 
five or six and uh, six. six, yeah, 2006 and. Uh, uh, you know, the, the the shot of him walking off the ice in Edmonton at the, uh, uh, I don't know if it's ironic, but we were talking to the Edmonton general manager now, Ken Holland. But, you know, all, all that happens. But yet, the Red Wing way, you end up getting a couple of guys named Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg, who really, I know Montreal always, you know, the, I was at opening night this year, you know, passing the torch. I mean, they're really into that. But literally, passing the torch from those two, to, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it Well, better. an incredible job by Jim Nill and, and, our, and our scouts and Hawk and Anderson. And, and uh, you know, what ended up happening, you, you get Zetterberg and Datsuk in a couple, I think in 99 or what, a draft and one of, you know, in the sixth and seventh round and not that you you get you get superstar players in late rounds it's like a needle in a haystack right well to get two superstar players in the late rounds that are only two or three years apart and get to get to play there it's like trying to find a needle in a in a in in in, in 14 haystacks <laughs> right, right, you know right. the, the odds are getting long and 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 for you know so just when when you know six steve steve retired we we come out of the work stoppage in an 0506 um and during and during the work stoppage zetterberg went back to play in the swedish league the sweden league the entire year and pavel went back and played in the russian league and they both i, I if they didn't lead the league in scoring they were first but they but they were just coming of they were 24 and 25 and they went back and now they come they're ready to have the torch handed to them right. you know they're not 21 they're 20 they're ready for the torch to be handed they, they feel they're great players and Steve retired in 06 you know we that now that you know coming out of the work stoppage we're going from an 80 million dollar payroll to a 39 million dollar payroll we, we bought out Hatcher we bought out McCarty we bought out Whitney and we went and signed a bunch of players to Cleary to a one-year deal of 500 Lilia Samuelson brought Osgood back we were trying to because we had to go right we, we, we were just trying to put players on the ice relatively cheap and but certainly Nick Lidstrom defying father time right and 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 continuing to be the, the best defenseman in the world when he was in his mid 30s um and most people are starting to slide you know from 0506 to 2012 i mean i think he, re- he retired at 42 43 i think he was still fifth in voting for the norris trophy the last year that he so he, re- he continued to be one of if the best defenseman in the world and then these two young kids show up and fedorov had left a couple of years earlier on a signed uh, with anaheim right and Steve retired, and you still got Nick Lidstrom, and obviously P- P- Pav and, and Z now are 24 and 25, and they now go for the next, you know, 10 years as 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 as, as the torchbearers of uh, carrying the carrying the torch up front for the um, for the Red Wings. So, you know, it's an element of luck. I mean, there's sixth and seventh rounds, but but great job by Jim Nill, and then obviously Jim Nill and his staff. Jim and, and Joe McDonnell and Hawk and Anderson and all the other people, you know, Phil pull in the third round and Hoodler in the second round and Howard in the second round and you get Zetterberg and Datsuk and Cronwall late first and all of a sudden you had that group of players to go along with 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 it. Nick Lidstrom was staying and and then. Um, you know, Brian Rafalski makes a decision to sign with us in 2007, and all of a sudden you got Rafalski and Lidstrom on your first pair, and you got uh, the Brad Stewart trade too. I mean, the Brad Stewart, and you got Cronwell and Brad Stewart, and you got Pavin Zier, two of the greatest 
best two-way forwards in the world. I think Pav had back-to-back 97-point seasons. He was a, you know, they were great, great players, Pav and Z. And, uh, you know, fortunate, feel good that we went to the final four in 07, won the cup in 08. And, you know, when you, there's some losses you'll never forget. And uh, certainly the, the game seven against Pittsburgh in 09, I'll, I'll never forget. But they were a great, great team and they've gone on and won a couple more. So, you know, you just, it, 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 it's a reminder to me personally, you got to be good, but you got to be how lucky and, 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 and you got to play your best at the right, how hard it is to be the last team standing. Right. Don't get me started about 09. I mean, I, I still don't know how you win the Western Conference. I mean, though they were... I don't know if a couple of those games against Chicago went into overtime or something, but you don't get many days off. Then you have to end up playing back-to-back. I I just think because you were a veteran team and Pittsburgh was a young team, the way that schedule – Played out in 2009. I just think the Red Wings got gas. Well, we, got, we got beat up there. If you remember, I, 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 I don't think Pav played till game five. Pav got hurt the series before, and he didn't play the first four games. And then when he came back, it wasn't Pav. He had something in his up in his upper yeah. big, big, big bad bruise or something. Is and he came back. He couldn't really skate in game five. I remember Lidstrom got hit with a shot in Chicago. He right. had, he had to he had he had surgery or, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Some was out for a week. And yes. Then, and then and I think uh, Erickson uh, was. Uh, the morning it had appendicitis or something he was raced to the hospital of the of the Chicago game five so you know but somehow I, I remember Abdulkader came in I think he scored goals in right. games one and two right out of college right out of Michigan State right. we won the first two we did win the first two games at home Saturday night and Sunday night and Abby scored a goal in each game and we did put ourselves in a position up three games to two um, heading into Pittsburgh and hat you know you, you tip your hat to Pittsburgh they they won game six at home and and then they lost you know if you remember game seven at home Crosby got hurt about the middle of the second period. Right, he did, right. He played a shift or two in the second, and then he came out and sat on the bench the entire third. He, a, couple of, a couple of timeouts, he'd take a little bit of escape, but he sat there, <laughs> but he couldn't. As it turned out, he was he was severe, seriously hurt and wasn't going to play, but he was there, obviously, to support his teammates, and they they found a way to beat us 2-1 to one and, 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 and win the Stanley Cup. You then have to go through a transition. How difficult is it for you? Because, you know, the, the consecutive playoff streak, it's... it's 25 consecutive seasons, not years, because the league, in its wisdom, shut itself down for a year. It would have been 26 straight. But when does it, you know, you're caught in between, I think, a rock and a hard place because you have to think, well, we're getting older. You know, Father Time catches up with all of us. When do I start the transition into what the Red Wings are going now? Was it a difficult decision for you? Is it a group decision? Or did you just finally say, look, you know, we we have to start turning the franchise well, you know, around. After 09, uh, you know, we're still, I think we went to the second round in 10. We went to the second round in 11. I think we beat beat Arizona in round one in right. 10. We beat Arizona in round, and we lost to San Jose, I think, a couple of 10 and 11. And then 12, we lost in the first round in Nashville. 13. If you remember, we beat Anaheim Game Seven at home, and then we we were we had Chicago on their heels. We we're up three games to one, and Chicago had won the President's Trophy yeah, in 2013. That. And we just couldn't get one more win. Up three games to one, um, you know. So you're still it's 13. You're still pretty good. I mean, you're right. in the second round, and you're you you've got the Chicago Blackhawks who go on to win the Stanley Cup. You've got them down three games to one. Um, 14. We had 100 points, and we played Tampa Bay, and we got. That's that's 15, I think. In, in, in 15, 14, 15, two years later, we have 100 points. Tampa has 108. We got them down three games to two. Right. And then in 16, um, we had 93 points. And now 
you know, it's now 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 Pav and Z, you know, the, the, the father times. Right. You know, I think Z played in a couple more years after, but I think shortly thereafter, Pav went back to 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 uh, to, to made a decision he wanted to go back home to Russia, and I just think that. You know, it's you know, it's not like I'm trying to make 26. You're you're just trying to win every year, right? You know, I right. You're, you're just, not, I'm not worrying about. You're just trying to win tonight. You know, this morning we're talking. This morning, like the Oilers are trying to win tonight, and the Red Wings are trying to win tonight. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, the coaching staff and everything, you're trying to win the next game. You're right. not worried about how many. Everybody else focuses on all that kind of stuff. Right. You you just focus. You put yourself in a bubble, and and uh, you know. So I think. You know, as I look back, you know, you're, 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 yeah, I know we got Pavin Z. We're trying to go on another run. I got 13. We're, 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 we're game seven in the second round with Chicago, who wins the cup. And 15, we got 108 point team tamp on the ropes, and they beat us three, three games to two. So, like, it's a fine line league. And, and, and then if you remember in Tampa, you know, game seven, we go into Tampa. Cronwell gets suspended for game seven. Zidlicki gets concussed. Um, Ablocator broke his finger in game, game 80. He's, he, 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 he's playing with the, he doesn't, he misses the first two games. We're, we're a banged up bunch, but we got the, we, we got Tamp on the ropes. Again, you tip your hat to them. They they found a way. They win game six and they win they win they take us home and they beat us one nothing in game seven. It's two nothing empty net goal, but it's one nothing with right. one minute to go in the game. And then uh, you know the next year you come back. You're you're trying to. But I, I started to get into a point at that point in time, Art, where. You know, in the 108 in the 15 year against Tampa, you know, I traded a second round pick for um, Eric Cole. Right. I traded a third round pick for Zidlicki. You know, Pavins, we st- we had a good team. We had 100 points, and 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 trying to go on one more playoff run, and then and then and then when we didn't do there the next year, I don't think I did anything at the deadline. I just sort of let it go the way it was going, and then um, in 16, obviously we were having a tough year, and. Um, Really, probably made a decision about uh, a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. A week before the trade deadline, I've been talking to Brendan Smith, his agent, about a contract, and made it. I mean, at that deadline, we traded Brendan Smith for a second and third round pick. We traded Vanek for a third round pick. We traded Yurko for a third round pick. And then, you know, you tried to come back the next year, and you're, you're trying to get back in the in the in, in the playoffs because you know you look at St. Louis last year being last in the league on right. the January the 2nd and and winning the Stanley winning the Stanley Cup you know it's you're never you're never <laughs> The games are the good teams find ways to lots win lots of games by a goal, and the bad teams find ways to. It's not like the the, the, the game's close, and it's and obviously over the you look back and you see these records. But when you live it, when you live it on an everyday basis, so many games are determined. They were they're so they're, they're so close. So you know, in 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 sixteen seventeen, trying to just hopefully we can bounce back, and then. Didn't bounce back, and I think in that year I traded Tatar at the deadline for a for a first, second, and a third, and and then uh, you know the, the year later traded Nyquist for a second and a third, and just kind of felt that that the the, the path to um, to the rebuild was going to be through through the amateur draft, and you needed lots of picks, and and then when Steve obviously stepped, I've kind of I don't know if you're, where you're going, but it's no, just, no. when Steve stepped down uh, in Tampa a year ago. Um, 
and we and we were you know we got to Christmas. I think we were ten points out. I just thought that I'd asked so many people to sacrifice and make decisions um, for the good of the Red Wings. Um, that was my turn. It was my time, and you know I I, I hold Steve in the highest highest regard, both as a player, as a person, and as an NHL general manager. Um, he's 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 he's. I feel very, very fortunate that um, I was a manager for 22 years and it's players, Steve and Nick Lidstrom, and I can go on. They did it on the ice. They right. did it. They right. did. I just sat up in the press box and I watched the games. And certainly we got a staff of people that we make decisions. And I feel good and feel proud of what's the decisions we make. But at the end of the day, the players on the ice determine the outcome of the game. And he, he was obviously... <laughs> The greatest player, him and, and, and him and Nick, and 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 uh, um, I just felt it was time to um, turn the reins over to, uh, to to Steve. So I feel, I feel, you know, I, my 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 mindset really was that I was going to become, uh, you know, kind of take a step back and maybe you know see where I'm going to go and maybe you know be here for another year. I was looking forward to working with Steve. Love, love Steve. Love, love, love being with Steve and and uh, talking, talking shop, talking hockey, but also um, just just uh, telling stories. And and then uh, then this opportunity came along uh, in Edmonton, and it was an incredibly difficult decision uh, for me. Uh, but ultimately, um, I went to the after we had the press conference with Steve was announced. I went to the Worlds 18s right. with Steve, with Drapes, with Tyler Wright, and I was there and knew that you know the players that we were looking at that was no longer my decisions to make to make you know certainly the chief scout makes the decisions but the manager's got to be you know is, is, is totally involved in the process and 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 uh, my juices were still flowing and the phone you know phone rang and um, rest is history I'm, 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 I'm very excited and fortunate to have another opportunity well at that press conference when Steve was announced Chris Ilge was there you, you the three of you were up there on the podium I think most of the people that have covered this team for as long as I have and that know you know Steve and you know know whole, the whole dynamics you know we could see that working you know your relationship that working what I had trouble coming to grips with was that I just didn't think that you were done being a general manager. I mean, I truly didn't. I mean, I know you, 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 know, you might be born in 1955, but you're a young born in 1955. I mean, you have that passion. You have that drive. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, I know he's got a four-year extension or whatever it was. That's not going to see the, the, you know, the end of the day. You know, that's the, he's not going to be here for four years. But... Was it more just the opportunity? I mean, you've got Dry Saddle and obviously Connor McDavid. You looked at the situation at Edmonton. You're from Western Canada to begin with. Uh, uh, the, or were you surprised that your passion for it was so, you were still burning so hot? I mean, instead of, because you just said, I want to take a step back. I mean, was, did you almost surprise yourself or was it just too good of an opportunity? You know what? Those are great questions. Um, I, I just will tell you, you know, I remember going down to the last home game when we played Buffalo. I think we got beat 7-2. to two. It was, yeah, it was, it was not me, a good for, game. For me personally, it was. A, I, I knew it was going to be my last, my last game as the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. It was an emotional drive down. And then, and then you know, um, um, uh, 
and then and then you know as, as over the next couple, the couple of weeks as things uh, played itself out it was, just, it was an emotional time I've been a Red Wing for 36 years right. we loved we moved here in 94 we Cindy and I I mean our kids went to three of our kids went to Michigan State uh, you know they, they went uh, we've made, made, made a lot of great friends and love the fans, the, the, the passionate fan base of the Red Wings and going to northern Michigan to tra- Traverse City to training camp and you see the passion of the fans and the northern fans. And, you know, we talked about the parade, the, the parades and, you, you know, the, the, and, and games in Joe Louis Arena and that 20,000 seat bowl where <laughs> the, the, there was very few empty seats. And it was it was it was it was an just, you know, so it was it was my life. I mean, it was it was my right, life. Right, and, right. and 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 I think, you know, leading up to that press conference um you know it's, it's 20 it's 22 years i've been a general manager i was i was i was at i was at peace i was at peace with what was going on but still it's 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 you know and i when i woke up the morning of the of the press conference because we we released it at six o'clock in the morning that there was going to be a press conference at one or two right, in the afternoon right. and then at the press conference was going to be crystal it's, it's steve eisenman and ken hall and it became obvious what was what was what, going, was, what, what, go was, what was going to go down and, yeah. and that morning i got i got so many incredible emotional for me personally emotional texts from so many people that that have been involved in my life um that 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 it was a tough day it was a tough day but i was at peace i was at peace you know i mean how many people get to be the general manager of an nhl team for 22 years right. I, I mean it's it I, I feel incredibly fortunate that 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 the ownership believed in me and there were tough times at the end all right there's there was tough yeah. times i and i and i understand the frustration of the fans and and the they're they're great fans and they they the the, the the you know the bar is set very high. This is an original six team and it's got an incredible hockey history and and they they love their team and and and, and as we were 15, 16, 17, 18 going into 19, 18, 19 going into you know three years in a row but being out um, it's tough. It's tough right. on the fans. It's tough on the fans and 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 that's why I just I said to you, I just knew it was time. I was at I was at peace with everything that was going on, uh, the, the, the knowing that the franchise was going to be taken over by by Steve Eiserman, who I again I hold in right. the highest regard. And I sit in the I sit in the managers' meetings and watched what he's done in Tampa Bay and what when he took over Tampa Bay and what he built Tampa Bay and in, into. So, you know, it just uh, I was looking forward to working with him and 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 in a, in a reduced role and how helping out however I, however I could but I also knew like you said I knew you know if the phone rang if the phone rang I was going to answer it I I, I, I I still had I still I mean you I talk to you all the time I got I I, I got a ton of passion um I got a lot of energy and I love the game I love the people in the game and I love the challenge of trying to build something um you know that that uh, gets 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 your fan base excited and and, and I feel bad and fortunate that uh, you know I feel bad that at the end you know it's three years of, of of being out of the playoffs and and that's why I just felt that uh, I was, again I was at peace it was it was time for a change and 
I, I didn't know where my future was going. I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful to Chris Illich and Miss Illich and you know Mr. Illich for them, for Mr. And Miss Illich believing in me mm-hmm. and giving me and Jim Devolano believing in me, giving me the opportunity to become the Western Scout and then the Chief Scout and then the Assistant General Manager and the General Manager and then and then to 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 let me be at the reins for 22 years was was very. I'm forever grateful. And then and then they they gave me an incredible offer to 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 remain as the senior vice president um, of the Red Wings and remain, remain in the organization. So I'm forever grateful to Chris and, and Mrs. Illich uh, for making that decision. And so when this opportunity, when I started talking to Bob Nicholson, you know, it was tough. It was tough. Mm-hmm. It was tough because I'd been a Red Wing. Uh, but right. but but at the end of the day, as I went through the process internally, um, all these things we talked about—the passion, the energy, the challenge—the the, you know my juices are flowing. Um, you know Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, being Western. I'm a Western Canadian boy. I lived in Medicine Hat for playing junior. Lived there for ten years, scouting for the Red Wings, which is six hours from Edmonton. I understand the passion of the of the uh, of the Edmonton Oilers fan base, and you know they've had some. It's been a tough go. They've made the playoffs once in 13 years so I'm hoping that I can go in and um, uh, make a difference and, and, and make a little bit of a difference so we, got, we got a lot of work to do but uh, um, you know I'm, 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 I'm again I'm, from, from, I'm, I'm from very grateful to Daryl Cates the owner and to Bob Nicholson um, for believing that uh, I'm not too old that that, that I still <laughs> no, 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 I know that, yeah, that yeah, feeling too yeah, you know, so uh, for all of us and then uh, that uh, the, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward here to I signed a five year deal and I'm looking forward to try to uh, help make a little bit of a difference over over some time here in, in Edmonton you know I thought about it you know and I think about these things way too much but I'm thinking if there's anybody who understands a situation where you walk in and you have two elite-level, Hall of Fame-bound players in Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. I, I mean, McDavid is maybe a class by himself, but Drysaddle's not too far behind. But you know how to manage that situation. I mean, you kind of understand it with all the stars you dealt with in Detroit. Does that make it a little easier for you? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think so. I mean, I mean uh, you know, Leon turned third, 24 the other day. I mean, so he's there's just a young guy. And right. I think Connor's 22. He turns 23 in January. So I mean, they're, you know, they're 23 and 24 year old players. I mean, they're they're still rel- they're still young. You know, when right. you, when you look at, you know, when I look at you know all the great players we had talked about, you know, Pav and Z and Nick and and and, and Steve and all those others, and you know what what. You know, becoming 24, 25, 26. So there's still another. You know, that's they're they're not they're not anywhere. They're still close. ascending. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not anywhere close to on the on the D. And, and then you look at, at at how long Steve impacted this franchise and 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 and, and Zetterberg and 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 and. and Datsuk, I mean, they into their mid thirties. Well, the, the great ones, the great ones can defy all the father time for way, way longer than 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 just NHL players. So, um, you know, certainly when I talk to Bob Nicholson and you you look at Connor and Leon. Um, you know, certainly those were, were were factors in major factors in in me. Again, I you know I said earlier in this this this, this podcast about you know the players do it on the ice, and right. you, you need it's 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 about the players. It's but but certainly you know I, I've always said 
you know, I, when the job is focused on me, it means I'm not doing a good enough job because the team's not good enough. The, the, the focus has got to be on the team on the ice. And you're not talking about the match. Certainly there's, there's periods of time, the trade deadline or in the off season, the moves that you got to make. But on an everyday basis, you want to build your team so that the focus is on the team on the ice. It means that the team is competitive and it's good and it's exciting. And, and, and then and how do you tweak it and how do you finish it? So, um, certainly there was, you know, at the end of the, my days in Detroit, there was too much focus on me and I understood, you know, the team wasn't good enough. The team right. wasn't, the team wasn't competitive enough and the, the bar, the standards are way, way higher here in, 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 in Detroit. Um, and again, that's why I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to this opportunity. I'm hoping I can make a little bit of a difference, but at the end of the day, you peck away, you mm-hmm. peck away. There are, you know, I always say that, you know, you, you and I've talked, there are no hockey stores that you go, you go shopping at. Right, and right, right. There's no magic wands and, and you're, <laughs> and, you, and you're not going to go out and fleece somebody in, in you got to peck away. It's a decision at a time. It's a decision at a time. It's, it's some patience. It's having a plan. It's having a vision and figuring out a plan on how you're going to get there. But certainly, certainly coming to Edmonton, having Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl who are, who are, let's call it let's put let's fast let's call Connor 23 but he's still 22 for three right. more months but 23 and a 24 year old um, they're going to be around here a long time in Edmonton and um, Peter Shirelli the manager you know th- that was that was fired they've got he left behind some really good um, uh, pieces and there's some good players in the system some good young defensemen so I've got uh, feel fortunate that um, my, that that there's some real building blocks but there's also some pieces some 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 prospects and players that are going to impact this franchise over the next year or two that are that are uh, that are that 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 have been drafted by this franchise you, you know I I don't know how much you can really talk about it but you know just your thoughts on where the Red Wings are at maybe if you can make a comment I mean it I mean this team that that's taking the ice tonight wearing the red and white wearing the wing wheel is essentially still your your team or you know, you've had a, a major hand in it and it's going to take some time but you know again you acquired a lot of draft picks for next next year for the draft in uh in Montreal uh but it's tough you know you always told me one thing that uh actually two one in today's NHL you just have to be in the top eight. You just got to get in. And then there's four things that have to happen. Your best player has best players have to be your best players in the playoffs. Your goaltender has to be stand on his head. You almost need to be injury free and you need a little bit of luck. Those are the four things that that really make a Stanley Cup champion. I've never forgotten that. Uh, and I, I, I'm just kind of uh, 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 of curious when you know, when you look at the, the situation here in Detroit, you know, Steve pulled a deal yesterday, uh, uh, traded Alec Regula for uh, uh, for Brendan Perlini. And, uh, you know, I know you can't I know you're a junk, you know, I, that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of a delicate situation here. But when you look at what Grand Rapids is doing, their picks and seeing how some of these youngsters are progressing. And, you know, I, I think we're all real happy. Giovanni Smith looks like, you know, at 21, he get a call up and he, he doesn't look out of place for two games. And I know it's a long season. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on the wings. Well, I mean, obviously, 
you know, I was a Red Wing for a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling for them and rooting for them. You know, I'm, I'm glad they're. I'm, I'm glad I'm in the West. Do you, you still say we at the, times? Do you catch you, yourself? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And I, every now and then, with my group, instead of saying Bakersfield, I say Grand Rapids, and then sometimes instead of saying Edmonton, I say Detroit. And I got I got So I mean, it's, 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 it's 36 years. Right? No, I know. Trust me, I know. So, but but I, you know, I, I would say to you. You know, I remember when we lost out to Tampa Bay in in um, five games and was it sixteen? And I remember having the post year press conference and uh, had some media people, you know, banging away about going into a rebuild, going into a rebuild. And I said I was going to you know fight a rebuild as long as I could because once you go into rebuilds. You know, I, I live. I live in the National Hockey League. It's what I do every day. Right. You know, and when you look at, I, I don't want to mention teams, but like, I, like me, like you can, I can talk off the air. But right. you know, when you look at teams, rebuilds aren't two and three years. That's there aren't. That's not a rebuild. So, I think it. They're frustrating. They're 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 they're. But but when you come out on the other side and you see some of these teams that went through those rebuilds. You know they've got a got a great manager here in Steve Eiserman. Um, I think I think they got they got a lot. They've got some good young kids, um, and it's tough it's tough to live. But uh, they're going to be under Steve's watch. I really believe that the future is bright. Um, but when you're when you're when you're not winning as much as you like, it's it's frustrating. It's it's for everybody and especially the fan base. Um, but. Uh, you know, I guess I would say, you know, you, they, you know, we're playing. I saw them ten days ago in Edmonton. You got a twenty-one-year-old Chalowski, you got a twenty-one-year-old Heronic. Hard to be, hard to play defense in the NHL at twenty-one. So, mm-hmm. so certainly they're getting. Um, they've got some really good young players, but it's patience. It's patience. It's patience. It's patience. It's patience. And got a great man at the at the wheel in 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 Steve Eiserman. And uh, um, certainly, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that some of these players that that, that the scouts that I had that drafted are gonna are gonna impact this franchise because um, this this franchise this fan base um, was a big big part of of, of my life and um, I, I want this franchise to do well so um, like I said I was I was disappointed at the end that I wasn't able to oversee a more competitive team that we'd missed the playoffs three years in a row. Um, and again, rebuilds rebuilds take time. I, I I don't know how much time you gotta you gotta look at all these teams around. You know, you got the lottery, and if you if he doesn't that that thing is a, that that that's. Another, I don't even that, want to get into the lottery yeah, with you because I I just you know, I don't understand that. Three years in a row there, you know, we went backwards. We had no luck in the lottery, and you, there's a, you need an element of luck in the lottery. So I mean, I, I that's about all I want to say. I just you know I I I I, I, I I'm forever grateful for my time in Detroit. Um, and uh, the fan base, uh, the passion of the fan base, and certainly uh, at at the end, I I certainly understood the frustration of the fans. Um, I was disappointed. We were disappointed. You, every, you want everybody wants to win, but it's a it's it's a it's a great franchise. It's a great fan fan base. You got a great manager. I think you've got some really good young players. And I th- last year I was proud. 
proud of the job Blaschel did in getting the team to compete on an every right. night basis. I think we were involved in a year ago uh, the Red Wings. We I was a I was a we back then. Right. Art. <laughs> we were able to uh, on a night to night basis compete. We just lost too many games by a goal. Um, so um, that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm just forever grateful my for my time here. And I and I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm from afar. I'm 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 cheering. I'm cheering the Red Wings on. When, and again, I, I really do want to wrap this up, but please tell me you have some sort of plan that you're going to present at the, at the general manager's meetings or the big NHL meetings, whatever it is, to change this lottery system. Don't you have a <laughs> – if anybody can do it, it's you. <laughs> I've always got lots of ideas about lots of things, so let's uh, – I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, you know, the, I, Art, I uh, f- enjoyed working with you for all those years, right. and, and uh, uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, – you know, again, I'm, 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 I'm from afar. I'm, I'm rooting for the Red. They were a big, big part of my life for a long time. Right. And thank you, Ken. And one final question. Have you seen what is left of Joe Louis Arena yet? I have not. I'm going to try to swing by there on the way. Uh, I mean, we're obviously we're here in the morning skate. I'm going to I'm going to be in town here. For, we play in Columbus tomorrow night, and I'm going to be here for a couple of days in Pittsburgh. So I do plan on driving by because, uh, you know, for all Red Wing fans, for all Red Wing fans, uh, going to Joe Louis Arena was uh, was an incredible experience for for many many years. Well, it was an incredible experience because of you. No, uh, not because of the well, players on well, the ice. Yeah, but the, the, you put that team together. I mean, I I, I know you're not going to give yourself credit, but I. I just want to thank you, Ken. Um, I, I, I can't, words can't express my gratitude. I've known you a long time. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, you know we, we, we could talk forever. Just thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority. Best of luck to the Oilers. And uh, uh, I just, you know, I, I hope to see you guys in the Stanley Cup final very, very thanks, soon. Thanks, Art. The only thing I'd say, I was just looking here. You and I have been another 90 minutes. Every time, every time I get with you, I think it's a 10-minute interview. It ends up to be uh, 90 minutes. So somehow we found a way to uh, talk for 90 minutes. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, I guess, it speaks to your passion. Thank yeah, you. And yours. Thank you very much, Ken. Thanks, Appreciate sir. it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.